0: Great to see you here today on this this snowy day. When I came in this morning, the wind—I mean, the snow and the wind and the roads were a mess—and I thought, I wonder if anybody's going to come today. And uh, so, for those watching online, we got a full house this morning. Lots of folks here this morning. Actually, I was reminded eight years ago uh, we were just maybe three or four months. Uh, in existence as a church, and we had been meeting, and you know, a group of about thirty or forty people were coming out each Sunday with this little community that we're doing. And on this one particular day, just like this, in January eight years ago, I remember standing at the front, and the lights came up. You know, we're about ready to start singing, and Alex, who was who was playing today, he stood there. And he says, "Good morning and welcome, Dad." There was only one person in the crowd. It was awesome. I'll never forget that moment. Um, so great to see so many of you here today. If you haven't been with us, we're, we're in week four of a, of a four-week message series. We're right at the end, and i will do our best to kind of bring you up to speed on, on where we've been. But each week I've been asking a question kind of kick us off, and I want to do the same again today. Uh, the question I want to ask you today is this. Anyone here ever made a bad decision? <laughs> you don't even have to put up a show of hands. Half of you would lie anyways. Uh, of course you have. We all have. Um, of course, there are too many that come to mind uh, for me to share them all with you. But a couple stand out to me as really, really, really bad. Uh, this one particular day, I, I remember crashing through the front door of our house and telling my wife, Jessica, like, Honey, you never believe the deal I just got on a couple of speakers. And, and, uh, and, and she's like, Oh, did we need speakers? Well, no, but at this price, we needed speakers. And uh, so she'd be like, well, Where did you get them? I said, Well, this really nice guy pulled up beside me at Home Depot in the parking lot. And he opened the back of his van, and as I'm telling her the story, I'm going, what? And, the, like, and, I, and I'm trying to explain to her, and she's listening to me, she's like, oh, well, where'd you get the money for these? And let's just say it didn't go well. Let's just say it didn't go well. Uh, it was a bad, a very bad decision uh, that I made. Another time, this guy came to the door and knocked on our door, and I'm uh, talking to him real friendly, you know, and he's like, hydro rates are going through the roof, you should lock in today. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> For years, I paid more than the rest of you, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's just a couple things that just, you know, in the, in the moment, it all makes sense. In the moment, it feels so right. And then after the moment's passed, you look back and you're thinking to yourself, what was I thinking, right? You've, I know you've all been there. You don't, you don't even have to nod. I just know you've been there. And you're going, what was I thinking? And the truth of the matter is, you weren't. You weren't. And, and I think this is true for me and probably true for you that our worst decisions, Our worst decisions were fueled by something with strong emotional appeal. There was something drawing you to make that decision, to head in that direction, and it was just like, oh, i got to have it. And so maybe you bought it, or maybe you leased it, or invested in it, or dated it, (laughs) or or moved in with it. And, And then what happens is over time, maybe a year, maybe a few months, maybe a decade, Time passes, and all of a sudden, you, you look and you go, this, this thing, this person, this opportunity, whatever it was that was drawing you down this path, you go, it, it, didn't, it didn't satisfy, and it, and it began to lose its appeal. It lost its appeal. And all of a sudden, that thing you had to have, it's like, eh, what do I do with this? You know, our homes, our homes are full of stuff that at one point, we thought we needed. Most people in this room have a treadmill in their basement holding laundry, right? And we have these articles of clothing we haven't worn since high school, but they're still in our drawers, in our closets, in our basements, in our shed, in our garage, and even that little space under your stairs. It's full of stuff you don't need, but it's all this stuff that at some point in your life, you, you thought enough of it or were appealed towards it so much that you bought it, got it, brought it into your home, and now you're living with it, you know, uh, on Netflix, they released a TV series called Tidying Up. I don't know if any of you have seen that. Uh, this little Japanese lady, Marie Kondo, you know, and uh, she teaches the Japanese art, and it's a, it's a bit weird and spooky, but uh, so I'm not endorsing it, I'm just telling you, it's there. And, um, and, uh, and people are watching this show, and, and, they're, and, and she's really going, well, do you, does that spark joy? you know? And if it doesn't, if you're not going to wear it, if you're not going to use it, get rid of it. And so literally people in droves, because everyone's apparently watching Netflix, Uh, They're watching this show, and they're purging their homes, and I was looking on the news site, CTV, around Ontario, literally Goodwill stores are overflowing with stuff as people clear out the junk, because all of a sudden, these things that were once appealing that they had to have are now just getting in their way, and it's amazing how that happens, and so it's fun to talk about decluttering your closet, but what about your life? What about if you get five years or ten years down the road, and you look back and go, I was pursuing the wrong thing? I thought this relationship, this person, I thought this job, I thought this thing that I was going to purchase would satisfy me, and it hasn't. It has lost its appeal. Then what? Now we're talking about something that's important. And so over the last number of weeks, we've been, we've been talking about the principle of the path. And if you haven't been with us, the principle of the path can simply be defined in this way, direction determines destination, that you can actually determine where you will be in the future based on where you are currently headed. The direction you are pointed in right now will actually tell you where you might end up in a few years. We all understand this when it comes to driving, correct? If You head south from Ontario, you'll end up in Florida. If you head north, you will end up somewhere you probably don't want to be. Just throwing that out there. You, you end up exactly where you're pointing. And we know this as it, comes, as it pertains to driving, that if we take a particular road, that that road has a very specific destination, always the same and yet, for some reason, when we think about our lives, we don't see the connection that what's true about driving is also true about living. That, that just like if you drive in a certain direction, you will always end up in the same place, that if you behave and if you live in a particular direction, it will take you somewhere that is guaranteed every single time. That's why the principle of the path allows us to determine, at least in some sense, where we will be a year from now, five years from now, or even ten years from now, because the principle of the path. Direction determines destination. And some people say, well, but you don't understand. I intend on doing this or this or this. And what we've been learning through this series is that direction, not intention, determines destination. That it doesn't matter what your intentions are. If you're going in the wrong way, you won't arrive there. I used the illustration uh, a few weeks ago about how if you, you want to get into shape, lose some weight, have a six-pack, and you're sitting around drinking soda, eating chips, and watching TV all day long, you are actually living in a direction that will not get you where you intend to be. And this is true relationally. I want to have an amazing marriage. I want to have an amazing company. I want to have amazing relationships. But you are living in a way that won't get you there. And so direction, not intention, determines destination. In fact, we said, direction trumps intention every time. Eats it for breakfast. So... The principle of the path that we've been talking about explains why parents react to where kids are headed, not where they are. And and what we understand as parents is that the choices that our kids make are taking them somewhere, true? You know, a four year old who is disrespectful, that's not a phase, that's disrespectful, right? And you say, oh, no, they'll get over it. No, they won't. It will grow, and you'll have a disrespectful 14-year-old. It's the principle of the path. So we, we kind of freak out. We want to deal with things when they're small so they don't grow. Every parent of a teenager had, probably had this conversation, you know, their grade 9 student. Mom, Dad, it's always a bit of attitude, you know. Mom, Dad, Mark's in grade 9 don't matter. When I go to college, university, they won't even care what I did in grade 9. And as a parent, you're going, I care. I care very much. In fact, what we understand is how you approach school in grade 9 will determine how you approach it in grade 10, and the discipline and responsibility it takes to be a good student in grade 9, we will build upon that all the way to grade 12 when it matters, but it's not just a year. It's not just grades that don't matter. It's actually a pathway, and as parents, we get that, don't we? We see the, the friends our kids are hanging out with, and we go, oh, no. Why? Because we don't see it as just a friend. We see it as a pathway that is leading them somewhere. And so if we as parents care so much about the pathway that our kids are walking on, if we care so much about about where that road they're on and the way they're living is taking them, how much more do you think our Heavenly Father cares about how we live and the decisions we make and the direction that we're headed in? The God who created you and created me, just like we want the best for our kids, whether they're little whether they're bigger than you, whether they're 40 years old with their own family, you still, as a parent, want them to go down a road that brings blessing to their life. Would you agree? And your heavenly Father wants that for you. He wants you to take the correct path. And so some people might say, well, you know, Nathan, it doesn't, doesn't really matter how we live. It doesn't really matter what we do. I mean, just live life, and, and then you'll just end up somewhere, and it'll all be fine. Well, I don't think that's true. In fact, what we're going to see today is that Jesus um, says the exact opposite. Every single one of us, every single day, we're headed somewhere. Every decision, every day we go to work, school, hang out with our friends, it's a direction and we're moving somewhere. And Jesus has the audacity to say there's, there's really two directions you can go in. One of them leads to life. One of them leads to destruction. And he's going to tell us a bit about these paths. So I want you to Take a look at this. In, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is, is, is teaching the crowds and his disciples. It's called the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. And here's what he says about the pathways that we can choose. Verse 13, enter by the, what's that word say? Narrow, Narrow gate. It means small gate. Hard to find, hard to get through. Narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is? easy. Thank you. The way is easy and wide that leads to destruction. And he says, those who enter by it are many. Many. In other words, Jesus is literally promising us that the majority of people will choose the easy way over the hard way. That many people will, will, will go for easy, broad, wherever the crowd's going, that's where I'm going to go, instead of choosing the hard path that leads to life. It's quite a warning, in fact. He continues um, to say this. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Jesus, Jesus says, look, as we live our lives, there are two paths standing in front of us. One of them leads to destruction, and most people will choose that one. One of them leads to destruction, and it is easy. And there's another one that leads to life, but not a lot of people choose it. And it's not exactly easy. And, and so I, I wrote this down that the right path, this is just generally true, the right path is rarely the path of least resistance. Let me give you an example, because we were talking about parenting. Let's go back there. If you want to raise children who are responsible, who are um, mature, who are well-socialized, who care for and love others, who love God and treat people with respect and produce something and help the people around them. Um, How many think that's a pretty good thing to aspire to, right? Like, if you're a parent, then you want kids like that. Let me ask you a question. Is raising kids that are like that easy or hard? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. You'll get gray hair, and some of it might even start falling out. It's hard. Like... If you want to have kids that just rip around hurting people and stealing stuff and do all like that's easy. You just leave them alone and they'll go there automatically. But it takes hard work. It takes discipline. You got to be on them. You got to be encouraging them. You have to be correcting them. You have to be this. It's hard. If you want to get muscles and get in shape, is that hard or is that easy? What's, it's hard. It's hard. You can't go to the gym and be like, well, I'm just going to sit on the medicine ball. <laughs> muscles are coming. I just know it. No, it doesn't work that way. You gotta exert some effort, man. You gotta you gotta you gotta get in there. And and here's what's true about life: that the things that are most worth having in life. You want a great marriage? That's not an easy thing, that's a hard thing, but it is so worth it. You wanna have a business that blesses you and blesses the people that work for you. I mean, that's not an easy thing, man. There are a lot of problems you're gonna run into. But it is worth it. It is worth it, but it's not easy. It's not easy. And, and so too often we pursue the things that are easy. We take the, the easy path. And the truth is, is that when it comes to life, the wrong path, okay, the way you don't want to go is often paved with strong emotional appeal. There's something for you that's pulling you in the direction that's ultimately about me. It's something I want. You know, if I said to you, hey, you can earn 5% interest by locking your money in for an entire year, some of you are like, oh, it's pretty good right now. Others are going, oh, lock my money in for a whole year for a measly 5%. And then I come to you and I say, well, or you can make 50% in one day. Ooh, you have my attention. It's called the casino. Yeah. There's some risks involved, you know? you know. There's something appealing about fast and easy, isn't there? I mean, it's something that, if I told you, hey, if you work really hard and exercise and eat healthy, you'll lose 10 pounds this year. You're like, that's it? Or if I came to you and said, hey, I can guarantee you'll lose 20 pounds in 30 days. Now, now you got my attention. Quick and easy. Sounds good. It's usually not good. You say, really? How do I do it, pastors?" It's easy. Just lick this. Give you a stick. Lick it. Congratulations, you have the flu. You know, <laughs> that's, that's one way to lose 20 pounds really quickly. Um, again, it's not life-giving though, is it? I mean, you might, you might yeah. Leads to destruction. On many levels. The wrong path is paved with strong emotional appeal. There's this desire, it's just drawing us in this particular direction. And here's what I've learned about strong emotional appeal our culture, our culture reinforces this all the time. Like our culture celebrates quick and easy. We live in a drive through culture. Like, you want it, have it now. You want it, here's a credit card. Like, it's just like quick and easy. If it feels right, then it is right. Because it's all about feeling right and getting what you want. But in reality, nobody stops to go, okay, if I follow that path and I get what I want today, where does that leave me tomorrow? See, if they applied the principle of the path, you'd look down the road and be like, that's not a very appealing destination at all. And, and something I've learned is that when there's this strong emotional appeal pulling us in one direction, it, it lowers our defenses. Have you noticed this? That when your emotions are high... Logic is low. Logic is low. That's why when you get in an argument with your spouse or someone at work or if you're driving a car and somebody cuts you off, emotions soar, and guess what happens to your logic? It disappears. It's gone. And and, and that's why I read a book uh, by John Gottman. He does this uh, book on marriage. And one of the things that I'll never forget, reading the book, he said that if your heart rate exceeds 100 beats per minute stop talking. <laughs> Nothing good happens when your heart rate is accelerated, emotions are high, logic is low. You will regret what you say and do. So that's why I wear a Fitbit. It's not, it's not to be healthy. It's so I know when to stop talking. <laughs> Strong emotional appeal, okay? It, it lowers our defenses and raises our defensiveness, Right? And so you're, you're trying to deal with something, you're trying to, to talk about it, and, and, and you don't understand. The, the speakers were such a great deal. He had a receipt. <laughs> he did. He literally had a receipt. It was probably forged, but he had one. And so it's like, it's like you're defending yourself and everything just goes out of control. So the point of all that is to say this, that when we choose the appealing path, when we pursue what we desire, the thing we want for us in the moment, that it does not leave, does not lead us to the satisfaction, the destination that we desire. So here's a question that I want to ask as we close out this message series. And, and we're going to look at the scriptures in just a second. And, and here's the question. The question that I want to ask you is, how can I know which path I'm on? So how can you know today and tomorrow and the next day that you are headed down the narrow path that leads to life and not the broad path that leads to destruction? It's probably a good question to answer, wouldn't you say? Thankfully, Paul the Apostle... Uh, writes to a group of, of new Christians in his letter to the Galatians. And in this particular conversation that he's, he's writing to them because they had, they had begun following Jesus. They begun asking the question, what does it mean to live for Jesus? What does it mean to live the Christian life? Hopefully something we're asking. And, and there were some Jewish people that came alongside them saying, if you want to, to live as a Christian, you need to Keep the Ten Commandments and then all these other Jewish laws and you have to follow the food laws and get circumcised. And like they're just piling on all of these laws, laws, and laws that God had given to the nation of Israel. Like do all this. And so all these laws were weighing them down and they're trying to figure out how they're to live, how they're to know if they're following Jesus correctly. And, and Paul addresses them in Galatians 5 verse 13. Notice what he says. He says, for you were called to freedom, Brothers. Called to freedom. I would say this. If you grew up with a version of Christianity that felt more like slavery than freedom, uh, it may not have been completely authentic. If you, if you notice something about Jesus, everywhere he went, everything he did, he was setting people free, setting people free, setting people free. And, and so the Christian faith is, is actually uh, predicated on this idea that Jesus is setting us free from things that would bind us and pull us down Imagine, he says, you were called to freedom. You go, okay, wait, freedom. Let's, let's explain it this way. Imagine if you had a family meeting and you got all your kids around the table and you said, okay, guys, <clears throat> from now on, no rules. Freedom. Freedom. You say, well, what do you mean, Dad? Does that mean I can stay up late, eat candy, not brush my teeth, whatever? Does that mean I can jump on the beds? Anything? And you just said, no rules. How many of you think that would end very badly for you? I mean, take the same situation. If you're a business owner or you're a supervisor and you just called a business meeting with all your staff and you said, okay, everybody in the room, around the table, listen, no more rules. You mean I can come in whenever I want? I can leave early. I don't have to do the job if I don't feel like doing it. It's like anything. Just no no rules, total freedom, right? Doesn't that sound crazy? Doesn't that sound like a bad idea? And yet, what Paul says to these believers, he says, you've been called to freedom. Let's take those rules off you. And immediately, what are you and I thinking? We're thinking, sweet, freedom means I can do whatever I want. Isn't that why we want freedom? So I can do whatever I want. We all want to go to the Autobahn so we can drive as fast as we want. Like, we want to experience freedom of these different kinds. And yet, here's what he says. So before you get scared, notice what he says next about this freedom. You were called to freedom, brothers, only, he says, verse 13, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. He says, you can do anything as long as it's not about you and what you want. Oh, snap. (laughs) That's the reason why I wanted freedom. I wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. And he's like, no, no, you're not supposed to pursue what's easy and what's good for you. But rather, he says, I want you to, through love, serve one another. Well, that doesn't sound nearly as fun. YOLO, you, you only live once. I mean, can't we just do what we want, enjoy life? By the way, you only live once. YOLO. That, that's not a real thing. You actually don't only live once. You realize this, right? There is a eternity. Like after this life, there's another one, and what you do in this life impacts. Uh, never mind. Not to mention, actually, when you're gone, all the people that were close to you have to live with the decisions you made, too. So you're kind of living on there anyway. YOLO. (laughs) Except candied bacon. If you've ever had that. So good. They dip the bacon in candy, and never mind. (laughs) I used the YOLO for that. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In other words, Paul's saying, look, I want you to use your freedom... For the benefit of others. This is the path that leads to true satisfaction. This is the path that leads to life. It's not about you. It's not about you. It can't be about you. He continues in verse 14. Now he's quoting Jesus. In case you think what he's saying is heretical. For the whole law. And he's, when he says that he's talking about the Ten Commandments. The Mosaic Law. All the laws that were given to the nation. All of that stuff. He says the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let me explain this. Do you know why there are so many laws in Canada? In Canada, we have myriads of laws. We have laws for, for, for trading, you know, stocks and bonds. We have laws for taxation, how much taxes you pay, don't pay, how that all happens. There's laws for how you treat people, laws for how health care is provided, laws for how you drive on the road. And all of those laws, you know what they're for? To limit our selfishness. Think about it. If, if the government said, we're removing the laws that you have to pay taxes, who's paying taxes? <laughs> right? Because we're like, oh no, I worked hard for this. I'm going to keep my money. Forget about it. But who, nobody else needs health care. I'm going to keep this for me. Right? And so it is an act of selfishness to go, me, mine. And so the law is put in place to actually limit our selfishness. It's why there are laws for driving. Have you ever been to a country where there are no laws for the road? It's absolute chaos, and you literally see hundreds of cars and bikes and people on motorcycles with their family on the back, and they're all like honk, honk, and they're stuffing their nose of the car into the traffic, and everything just log jams. You never see somebody backing up saying go ahead. And so we put laws in place to govern and limit our selfishness. And, and the argument that he's making, that Jesus is making, and now Paul is reiterating, is this: that if we're not living for ourselves, but if we're living to serve and love. Others will fulfill every one of those laws. It's powerful. He continues to talk about how this works itself out. He says, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit. In other words, listen to and follow the leading of the Spirit of God. Did you know that God will lead you by His Spirit? He will direct you into a selfless life. He will lead you into a life of love for other people. If we will listen, and if we will live in sync with Him, if we listen to His nudgings, He will lead us in a direction that, honestly, most people will never go. Verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you are listening and following the leading of the Spirit of God, you will stop doing the things that you want to do, the things that are all about you. It's exactly what He's saying. He continues, For the desires of the flesh, that's, that's me, it's what I want, are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do he's talking about this internal dynamic this wrestling match that goes on inside of each and every one of you and me part of me hears the voice of god saying live in this way and then there's something inside of me going 50% i can make 50% in a week oh man I, this is just one thing for me i just I'm just going to put me first, and I'm, I, something's pulling me in this way, and God's going, no, 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 selfless life, love, do what's best for others, and there's this tension. Anybody ever experienced it? It's a battle. Every single day, there's a battle raging, and that choice that you make in the midst of that battle is a direction. It's a path. And if, if we choose ourselves over others, and we continue to do so, it actually leads us down a pathway that Jesus says, will take us to destruction and so if this is true as this battle is going on then strong emotional appeal something that is pulling me towards what I want is should actually serve as a red flag and not a green light our culture is like man if it feels right if if it's for you do it but I guarantee you it will not end well it leads to destruction in the end if you're led by the Spirit he continues in verse 18 you are not under the law now in actual fact, if we're led by the Spirit, we will keep all of the Ten Commandments. If we're led by the Spirit, we will love in greater capacity than anything we would do. Because here's what I've discovered, is that this is true for the ancient Jews. God gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them their civil law. And they took this law and they tried to bend it and twist it for their own advantage. And so the rabbis and the Jewish leaders had to keep adding more laws to the laws to, to, to cut off all the loopholes because everyone wanted around it. But when God is leading you by his spirit, you don't even want to do that. You want to do what's right and you want to do what's best for others because that's the direction his spirit leads. So as we close, I want to show you two lists that Paul gives us. Because you may say, well, how do I know, how do I know which path I'm choosing? I mean, how do I know when I'm choosing me over others? And he gives us two lists that I think are helpful. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. If you live a me first life, if the first question in your mind is what's best for me and what can I get, it will lead you into this nasty list of things. Now, you may not be there yet, but you're heading this way. And these, this list that I'm about to share with you could literally be like mile markers on the road. If you've ever gone on a road trip, you see the mile markers and signs so you know where you're headed. These, these signs, um, these words would serve as mile markers for you. Here's what it says. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Number one, sexual immorality. I do what I want to do, when I want to do it. Impurity. Sensuality. Again, it's all about how it feels and what I want. And idolatry is, is loving and serving anything other than God. And so our idolatry could be in our kids, our spouse, our careers, whatever. Uh, sorcery. Everyone's like, wow, there's a problem. So, Most of us, like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of you in this room aren't practicing sorcery, right? You don't have a magic ball at your house right? You're not, you don't have a voodoo doll or any of this kind of paraphernalia. You're not trying to hurt people with black magic and arts. But whenever I see the word sorcery in the, in the scriptures, here's what I think about. The purpose of sorcery, the, perf, the purpose of black magic and all this kind of stuff is to control and manipulate people. True? And that is at the root of it. And so you may not have a crystal ball, but if you're trying to control and manipulate people with your words, with your money, with the things you're doing, um, you're kind of heading in that direction. So thought you'd enjoy that. Enmity, strife, jealousy. This is all the way you feel towards and the way you treat other people. Fits of anger. This is outbursts of rage. Unable to control yourself. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions. When we live in a direction towards ourselves and what feels right for us, it literally will tear our relationships apart because relationships are not built on what's best for me. They're built on two people or more people, you know, what's best for you and lifting up and strengthening and loving and encouraging the other. He continues, drunkenness, which is just overuse. Alcohol, drugs, coffee, food, orgies, it's just total unrestraint of any kind and things like these. He's like, here's just this big list. But here's what you'll notice about every one of those things. Every one of those things is enticing for people because it leads to what they think they want. A moment of pleasure in exchange for satisfaction. And literally, as I looked at that list, I thought, this is probably the plot line for every new show on Netflix. Like you, just, you just have to see the trailer go by and you're like, yeah, it's just like everything on that list is just kind of there and it's like, really? Why do people want to watch that? Why? Because there's, there's that internal tug going, yeah, that's, that's what you want and pulling you in that way. And every item on that list is, is, is about self and about me. And then Paul says something that I'm not even going to try to explain to you. I'm just kind of let it hang there. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things those who live in that direction, because it's a direction, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so, if, if you see those mile markers, if you go, yeah, you know what, that's, that's where I'm headed. Those, those things are beginning to turn up in my life. Perhaps it's time to choose to live in a different direction. Perhaps it's time to repent. And repentance literally means to turn and go the other way. To choose a new path, one that isn't about you. And then, and then Paul, he's going to give us the other list. I promise you two lists. Here's the other list. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, if we're listening to God and living in love, he says this is what will turn up in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says something amazing. He says against such things there is no law. That first list was a, a list of things we do for ourselves and our own pleasure. This second list is something that we grow in. It's character. It's, it's godliness. And it's something that you carry with you through this life and into the next. So here's the question I wanted to end with today. Are you willing to live in a different direction? Sometimes people ask me, you know, hey, is, you know, I've been living in the wrong direction so long. Is there a way back? Of course there is. Turn around. The principle of the path, that you will arrive in the direction you're pointed, it works for you and it works against you. If you will turn, if you will begin to make a change and say, Jesus, I am following you. Jesus, wherever you lead me, I will go. And you take a step in his direction. And each day and each hour and each decision, take a step in his direction. Eventually, you will find yourself in a very different place. So the best way to predict your future is to pay attention to where you're headed. Principle of the path, one last time. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. And so as we close today, is, is there something, um, have you been living for you? Because I guarantee you, if you're living for you, it doesn't end up in a good place. And if you're following Jesus, and if you surrender your life to him, I guarantee you that he will lead you to live selflessly, with love for others. And that is the place that will lead you to satisfaction, both in this life and in the life to come. Can we pray, Father? Thank you for each person that's uh, listening to the sound of my voice here, live and online through podcasts and video. God, I pray that no person would just leave this place going, "Yeah, I'm doing okay," but that each of us would allow the Holy Spirit to do His work, to check our hearts, and to show us where there are directions that need to change. God, would you would you help us to live in a way that is not about us, but that is about loving and serving the people? around us. God, there is no satisfaction to be found in doing what's best for me. So Lord, help us to see the path we're on. Help us to make a change and to follow you and to surrender our lives to your direction. And God, that we would follow your spirit. And in doing so, we would keep the law and love one another. That's my prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.